Good morning, Carolina family. Grateful to be before you today with the final installment in our accountability series. Um, and so I have a, a familiar passage of text. Many of us have heard it over and over again. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. And when you have it, I want you to type amen in the chat. I'm trying to get you to feel as churchy as possible. <laughs> All right, and so here begins the reading of God's word. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to talk to you for a few minutes from the subject. Don't get tricked and miss the treat. Don't get tricked and miss the treat. Today is Halloween. The word itself literally means hallowed evening and was previously known to early European celebrators as All Hallows Eve. All Hallows Eve was on October 31st and All Saints Day was on November 1st and both paid homage to saints. The word hallows just means saints. The name was eventually shortened to Halloween. Now, All Hallows Eve originally fell on May 13th, but was eventually changed to coincide with the Gaelic festival of Samhain. If you've watched the movie Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers, Michael Myers is a part of a cult that recognizes Samhain. Observers of Samhain recognize the changing seasons, but more importantly, they believe that the boundary between this world and the next became especially thin at this time, enabling them to connect to the dead. Now, Halloween slowly moved away from the more pagan rituals and adopted its own set of practices. The costumes, the hollowing out of gourds, is where we get jack-o'-lanterns, became more mainstream. And the practice of bobbing for apples, for an example, was originally for young women to determine a future husband. Based on the apples that the young woman grabbed, that would determine who would be her husband. And now many people would dress up on All Hallows' Eve as saints and go door to door, singing or reciting verses. They would ask for soul cakes, a treat that is similar to biscuits. This, of course, was the precursor to what we experience now, trick-or-treating. Now, functionally, trick-or-treating is blackmail. You either provide me with the treat or we will pull a trick or a prank on you. Now, the pranks weren't inherently evil or mean, but the idea was still give me something or something unpleasant will happen to you. And so on this day, October 31st, I would like to remind you that there is still someone who is playing trick or treat with you. Unfortunately, he is not limiting his trickeration to just Halloween. He is devoid of treats, but he is also full of tricks. And what he does offer is not really a treat. It's just a trick wrapped in treat paper. But if you stick around for a few minutes, I will show you the real treat. Now, as I said, this is the final installment of our series on accountability. We give God praise 
for reminding us. One of the definitions of accountability is to be subject to obligation to report, explain, or justify something, to be answerable. Another says responsibility to someone or for some activity. Now we are seeking to understand our responsibility to be accountable, to be answerable to God. See, God should have the right to call on us. He should have the right to put us in the game, in the position that he wants us to play. But we also have a responsibility to be accountable to each other. People should be able to call on us and count on us, especially the body of Christ. Relationships require accountability. I want to say that for you again. Relationships require accountability. Accountability is merely the responsibility to someone or for some specific thing. All right. Depending on the hierarchical nature of the individuals, there's the answering to, there's the being answerable, um, but it is functionally being responsible to another person. Now, I want to offer another point, which is the actual treat I mentioned to you before. And here it is. This is the ultimate point or premise of my, our encounter for today. Jesus wants you to be accountable to him. Here it is. And he wants to be accountable to you. If I had a microphone, I would drop it. Jesus wants you to be accountable to him and he wants to be accountable to you. Now, I know you're saying, how in the world does Jesus have to be accountable to me? The God of the universe wants to be responsible for you. Now, I know why some of you can't really get with this because you can't envision Jesus being answerable to you. And in that, my brother, my sister, you are correct. God does not have to answer your questions. He is not subject to your interrogation. But many of us are excited because we don't care that he's not answerable to us. We're just happy that he answers us when we call him. I wish I had somebody who knows what it's like to cry out to the Lord to know that if he will answer me, if he will hear my cry, he says in Jeremiah, call unto me, ask me things that you don't know. And I will tell you stuff that you could not even know. The God of the universe doesn't have to answer our probing questions. He don't have to tell us where he's been or what he's doing, but he does answer us. Now, if you allow me a few minutes of your time, I'll walk you through three facets of this treat as well as some of the tricks that the enemy uses with them. All right, so first facet. I said, Jesus wants you to be accountable to him and he wants to be accountable to you. One facet of that treat is you get an audience. You get an audience. Jesus was talking to a group of people who had already come out to hear him preach or teach. They had already, they heard that the master was in town and they had come out to hear him. To these people, he said, come to me. Now, he said, when you look up the, the word come and you look at its tense and its part of speech, it's an interjection. He's saying, man, y'all better come on over here. Man, y'all better come to me. It, it reminds me of the, the video game Mortal Kombat. My favorite character in the game was Scorpion because he had this little bladey thing that he would throw and he would hit you with it. 
And when he hit you with it, he would pull it and say, get over here. Jesus is telling people, y'all better come to me. Why? Because it's wolves out there. Come to me. There's problems out there. Come to me. There's trials and tribulations out there. Come to me. God is inviting you into his very presence. Now, you can't get past the ushers or the armor bearers to see the bishop, but Yahweh himself is saying, come, come to me. Now, what tripped me out is he said that to a group of people that came to hear him speak, because the reality is everybody coming to church ain't coming to Christ. I'll say it for you again. Everybody coming to church didn't come to hear Christ. Some came to be in the crowd. Some came to get chose. What do you know? What does it mean to get chose? To be to be suited, to have someone recognize you and notice you and find you comely and pleasant to the eye. Everybody at church isn't coming to Christ. But Jesus is saying today, come. Now, what's the trick? The enemy will try to convince you to stay with who you came with. He will encourage you to avoid the presence of God because he knows that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. In his presence, there is peace. In his presence, there is power. The enemy will have you go to everybody else instead of coming to Christ. The treat is, the I am, the God who made the entire universe, came to earth to live as a person like we live. And he's saying to you today, come unto me. So the first facet of this treat is you get an audience. The second facet, also found in verse 28, is you get assistance. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Labor and are heavy laden. That's all of you who are working hard and burdened down. All of you who are working hard and are burdened down. I wish two or three people would type in the chat, I work too hard and I got too many burdens. I work too hard and I've got too many burdens. Jesus offers help to get you something that you can't get on your own. He offers to give you something that you need. He desires to refresh you. He wants you that are working too hard and working too much. He wants you that are carrying too much weight and too much baggage around. When you, when you look at this, this text, it says, all you la who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The rest that he offers there, that word means to recover and collect your strength. You can't even walk right because your legs are worn out. Why? Because they're tired because you're carrying too much weight. You have no strength because you work too hard. Listen, God doesn't want to take you out the game. He wants to give you the time out that you need so that you can keep playing. Now, I spent a lot of time in the gym. I spent a lot of time in the gym. And one of the things you always going to find in the gym is somebody trying to lift a whole bunch of weight. There's always somebody trying to get super swole. That's what we used to call it. Super swole in the gym. And one of the key ingredients of getting super swole, super swole is to have a spotter. Job of a spotter is to be there to make sure that the weight 
doesn't overwhelm you. Job of the spotter is to be there to make sure that the weight doesn't overwhelm you. And a good spotter has two characteristics. Good spotter has two characteristics. One, he's paying attention. Two, he can handle the weight. <laughs> My God. A good spotter has two characteristics. He is paying attention and he can handle the weight. Somebody ought to say right now, spot me, Jesus. Because he said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will spot you. I'm paying attention to you. I'm watching you. So, so the job of a spotter. So you pre so let's say you're doing a bench press and you're pushing up bah, and you're getting your reps in. And every exertion depletes your capacity to do more. That fatigue is a necessary part of hypertrophy, building muscle, all of that stuff, gaining strength. That's a natural part of the process. So your spotter's not engaged when you can handle it, but he's ready. Your spotter's not grabbing the bar when you can handle the weight, but he's right there. So as you're pressing the weight and you're pressing the weight and you're pressing the weight, he watches and he notices that your speed is diminished, that your reps aren't as fast as they used to be because he's paying attention. Your spotter notices that your arms are starting to quiver a little. And so what does he do before he grabs the bar? My God, my God, the spotter gives you words of encouragement. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. You can do all things through me because I give you strength. And when the spotter sees that you can't handle the weight, he steps in. He does not take the weight away from you, but he takes the work out of the weight. And so he bears the lion's portion of the weight. Somebody ought to drop in this chat box today. Spot me, Jesus. You are trying to press this weight and that weight is going to break you. The reality is many gym fails happen because people fail to get a spotter. And you get trapped under the weight. There have been hundreds of cases of people with collapse uh, larynx and voice box collapse, chest, sternum crushed because you got trapped under weight that you couldn't handle. And it's not the weight that you can handle when you're fresh. It's how can you handle it when you're fatigued? Jesus is ready to give you rest. But you got to come to him. And you don't even got to beg him to come. Because he told you to come. He didn't even ask you to come. He told you to come. You just got to obey him. Now, what will the enemy do? What's the trick? That's the treat. What's the trick? The enemy wants to keep you lugging around all the weight that you're carrying around. All the guilt, all the low self-esteem, all the shame, all the doubt, all the dysfunction. He wants you to keep, keep carrying it. He wants you to be lugged down, loaded down, overworked, overboard. He wants you to be under an immense amount of stress. He wants you to work through all the breaks. He wants you to pick up hustle after hustle, grind after grind. Listen, during the past 18 months, people have picked up new hustles and they got a grind and a hustle and a hustle on top of a hustle on top of another hustle. And you grind it and you ask him, hey, man, how you doing, man? I'm out here grinding. Let me tell you what happens to something that you keep on grinding. You wear it away. You were not made to work forever and all day long. You were not made to talk. I know you heard in in Genesis God gave Adam a directive. He gave him a responsibility in the garden to tend it. But sin turned tend into toil. 
Sin turned work into worn out. We are worn out, saints. Because you're working 35 hustles and 35 jobs and I have no time to enjoy the fruit of their hustle. No time to enjoy the fruit of the grind. Who are you grinding for? The enemy will have you believing that you just got to go do more. And I want you to understand that God offers you through the person of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. He offers you assistance. He offers you an audience first and then assistance. So you ain't got to work that hard. The last facet of the treat, I'm going to get out your way. The last facet of the treat, you get an audience, you get assistance, you get accompaniment. Accompaniment. We see this in verse 29. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus offers you the opportunity to willingly take his yoke upon yourself. Now, what is a yoke? A yoke is a big piece of wood that they put over oxen or other servile animals. And this big piece of wood bound two animals together. So if I had a yoke on my neck, the other half of the yoke would be right here. And whoever I was yoked together with would be tied along right here. And then they would tie that together so that the animal couldn't separate. So wherever I go, they go. Wherever they go, I go. We don't, there's no more me, there's just us. There's no more I do this thing and you do that thing. This We do this thing. We do our thing. His yoke connects you to him and him to you. That means wherever you go, he goes. How many people are out here lonely and miserable for no good reason? Because they could be yoked to the God of the universe, the king of all kings. And being yoked to him means that you never have to be by yourself. He's with you. You turn left, he's turning left with you. More importantly, when he turns right, you turn in right with him. His yoke means his burden is light. Now, he says in verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke has some weight to it, but he's carrying the lion's share of the weight. See, it's light because he's sharing the weight and sharing the work. David understood this. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Matthew 28, 20 says, and Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. If you come unto him and you allow him to take that, reduce your labor and take that heavy ladenness off of you and put that yoke upon your neck and be tethered, tied up with Jesus, Jesus accompanying you, you will work, but the work won't wear you out. He wants to get you to the point that where he goes, you want to go. What he does, you want to do. So that's the treat. What's the trick? The enemy will make you focus on the weight of the yoke, not the worth of the yoke. Let me come back to you. The enemy will make you focus on the weight of the yoke, not the worth of the yoke. Jesus said his yoke is easy. He didn't say his yoke don't exist. The yoke is easy. It's easy because he does the hard part, but it has some weight. The yoke weight, how else would it keep you tethered to him? 
if it didn't have any, it's not like toilet paper. It's not like tissue paper. It's not something that you don't feel. It binds you to him. But he said, it's easy because I will do the heavy part of the lifting. I will do the work. I made the oceans. I lifted the mountains up. I dug the deep places in the earth. I did all of that. And I will bear this weight in this yoke. My yoke is easy. My burden is light relative to what the enemy has saddled you with. Oh, my God. The enemy has burdened you, weighed you down with stuff that you can't get over. You can't get past. You can't get through. You can't digest. You can't ingest. All he's trying to do is keep you confounded, confused and get you to conform to the patterns of this world so that you are miserable, lonely, that you are sad, that you are deprived, depressed. The, the, the word of the Lord comes to you today to say, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. See, you spend all that time in the yoke. Guess what you're learning? You're learning how to walk like Jesus walked. You learn how to navigate over potholes like Jesus learned how to, like Jesus navigates them. See, how he goes around the thing is how you want to go around the thing. That happens because while you're yoked with him, you learn from him. The Bible says that we ought to be conformed, conformed to the image of the son. You don't get conformed to his image until you get in his presence. Yeah, Baba. You don't understand how he looks and how he works and how he walks and how he does things until you spend time intimately tied and connected to him. He wants to be accountable to you. He said, I will get in the yoke with you. Yeah, you don't get to ask me where I'm going or what I'm doing, but you do get to be called my friend. Jesus told the disciples, you're not just servants. You are my friends. Because friends know what the master's doing. We have the word of God to tell us what the master's plan is. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to warm us and remind us, to warn us and to keep us on the straight and narrow. Jesus said, I will take the, my spirit and I will deposit it in you. So that you can learn from me. The job, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to teach us about Christ. He told the disciples, and I will send you the comfort and he will teach you all the things that you need to know. We learn from him by being next to him. When we're next to him, we get to be like him. And when he rules and when he reigns, we get to rule and reign with him. Trick or treat. If you don't give me a treat, I'll trick you. I'll put a prank on you. I'll do something to you if you don't give me what I want. That's the MO of the world. That's the MO of the enemy. You wanna know the MO of the savior? MO is just modus operandi, the way he does things. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. Take it upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle 
lowly in spirit. Many of us do not know how to be gentle because we're not tied to the one who is gentle. We got a puffed up spirit because we're not next to the one who's lowly in spirit. Don't let the devil trick you and have you miss this treat. The whole God of the universe, the whole God wants to be in a yoke with you, wants to be tied to you, tethered to you, wants to be accountable to you, wants to be responsible for you, wants to love you, wants to care for you, wants to provide for you, but he wants to be intimate with you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to go through those ups and downs with you. That's the treat. Doesn't require a costume. Many of us need to take our masks off. I know we're wearing masks to protect ourselves from breathing, but many of us are wearing masks to protect ourselves from letting the world see the real us. On October 31st today, I want you to stop letting the devil trick you out of your treat. Amen.